Hoffman here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. So today on the podcast, we are going to continue looking at Matthew chapter 6, which we have been in for a while now, looking at the Lord's Prayer, looking at the spirituality of Jesus. Um, Actually, today we will be moving into Matthew chapter 7 and looking at one of the most important teachings of Jesus that is probably least focused on. Uh, And the title of this message is Love the Sinner, Hate Your Own Sin. We're looking at how Jesus talks about dealing with the plank in our own eye before we set about trying to deal with the speck in our neighbor's eyes. So let's head to North Shore Vineyard. Thanks for listening. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 6 for a good bit over the last couple of months, looking at the Lord's Prayer, what Jesus has to say about spirituality. And today I want to move into the next chapter. We've been in Matthew chapter 6. And look, if all you had of the Bible was Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount, you could work on that stuff for the rest of your life. It's the best teachings that can be found on spirituality on connecting with God, on dealing with issues in our own hearts like anxiety and our attachments to the opinions of others and our own possessions and and, and just simple trust in God. So I found even when we were going through Matthew chapter 6 that, wow, it's it's incredible how relevant something written 2,000 years ago is in our modern day. But I think you're going to find today that as we go into the next aspect of the Sermon on the Mount... What Jesus is saying here actually applies in a big way to our current context. So uh, if you look at your outline, your bulletin on the back, I'll read the passage for today. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank In your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Oh, whoops, plank eye. (laughs) It's a song, yes. Um, So I want to start out by, by what Jesus is saying. Don't judge lest you be judged. You know, when I started this church back in, when when we launched this thing, well, when we were getting ready to start this, uh, back in the spring of 2009, before we had any meetings, I started going through the Vineyard USA church planning process. They got a process, and they they would tell you that as part of this process, you need to come up with what you're going to talk about for the first 18 months of the church. And not like you have to actually have written out messages, thankfully, because that would have taken me a whole year. But they at least wanted you to have, have like a game plan. What, what, what's, what are you going to talk about? So if you notice on the front of your outline right under North Shore Vineyard, well, right above it, it says Life Connected. And 
that was kind of an idea I'd been writing on for a couple of years before we started this church. I was actually working on a book, and the idea was that, you know, about living in a, in a context where you're, you're connected consciously to God, you're, you're deepening your understanding of God in your own heart and the work of, of, of transformation in your own heart, but you're also connected with people, people in Christian community, in the community of faith that are heading the direction you're wanting to go, but also always looking to people outside the church. And, and I really just felt like it, it, the context of your life is, is what really really matters, as I even said last week, and even matters a lot more than, than your beliefs, is, is getting the context right. And then you can bear fruit. But as part of this idea of life connected, we used to have the little subheadings, you know, God, church, culture, heart. And, and the idea was that I would just take what I'd been writing on for the first two years before we started this church. And, and I was like, okay, for the first three months, I'm going to talk about how we can connect with God. And then for the next three months, I'm going to talk about how we connect with people in the church. And then for the next three months, how we can connect with God in our hearts. And then the next three months, how we can connect with the culture. Seemed like a good idea at the time, but once I got about three weeks into my messages, once we started the church, I realized it was all but impossible to talk about our connection to God without talking about our connection to people. Like, I hadn't ever realized that before. I I was just going to try to talk about how we connect with God, but every passage I kept bumping into that talked about connecting with God talked about connecting with people. Like 1 John, for instance. 1 John says... How can you say you love God who you don't see when you hate your brother who you do see? If you claim to say that, if you claim to love God, but then you hate your brother, you lie. You're a liar. The truth is not within you. In other words, the very fact that you hate people reveals that you're not connected to God. You're not really loving God. And when we were going through the Lord's Prayer a few weeks back, uh, when we come to that line in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins, forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses, however you translate it, as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's a, a brilliant connection. <laughs> we don't ask for something from God that we're not willing to extend to other people to the extent that we can offer it to other people. So this is one of those passages where our actions towards others uh, are, are an integrable, integral part of our connection with God. So Jesus starts off, don't judge lest you be judged. You've probably noticed this phenomenon in your own house. It happens in my house. Uh, it's happened with everybody who has lived in my house. Who left these dirty dishes out? Crispin, why didn't you put up these dirty dishes? Well, you don't always put up your dirty dishes, right? The moment you point your finger at somebody for something, it's coming right back at you. You know, judgment has a way of boomeranging, doesn't it? (laughs) Jesus says, the measure which you judge other people is going to be the measure of how you are judged yourself. You know, this week... Uh, Pew Research, they've been following trends of religious participation in the church in America and, and releasing these, these surveys on, on the state of the church in America. And it, it was quite disheartening to see the latest statistics. I don't know how, if any of y'all read about this, but um, in 10 years, 
those who identify as Christian in the United States has gone down from 78% to 64% in 10 years, in one decade of doing this church. And there have been numerous people who try to figure out why, but I think one of the main reasons why is that so much of the church in America, you look at the two biggest denominations, Catholics, uh, Southern Baptists, number one, Catholics, number two, But so many Christians, so much of the church in America has been about pointing the finger at other people who are the problem. And, you know, before there was an internet and you could actually research stuff yourself, it worked okay. But then when you have scandal after scandal of pedophilia in the Catholic church, when you have sex scandals... In the Baptist church, when you have independent preachers who are raising money for their third jet because they can't tarnish themselves by sitting in in coach with demon-possessed people. (laughs) I saw this video of the guy who said all that, and and he was talking about people having demons. I swear, it looked like he had a demon when he got confronted. I was like, that guy got scary looking. The church in America has been known for moral outrage, for pointing their finger at this group or that group and blaming all the problems on, on those groups. And, 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 and now it's, be, you know, everything in our world has been shaking, it seems like, in the past decade, you know, in a big way. I mean, think of all the industries that are changing, the music industry, Hollywood, government, religion. It's all shaking, but as it's shaking, it's realizing, you know, that a lot of the foundation, it's kind of like pulling the curtain back on the Wizard of Oz. The ideal that the church has presented in America versus the reality is, it's like, wow, you've been pointing your finger at people all these years, and it, now you've got all these sex abuse scandals happening in your church. And this is why Jesus says, instead of pointing your finger at other people, which is the easiest thing for us to do, by the way. Why don't you start with yourself? Why don't you start with yourself? And look, protesting feels good. It it feels great to protest. It feels great to point our finger at somebody else and say, yeah, the Democrats are the problem. The Republicans are the problem. The gays are the problem. The Muslims are the problem. The atheists, the secularists, white male patriarchy. It's whatever it is, it is easy to point our finger at somebody else and say, You are the problem. It's much harder to identify that stuff in ourselves. But Jesus said, look, here's the problem. When when you're so concerned with the speck in your neighbor's eye, you can't even really see your neighbor very well because you got a dang log sticking out your head. (laughs) It's like, I'm I'm, I'm coming over here to help Josh with... Man, Josh, you got this splinter in your eye. And I I just keep knocking him in the head. With I'm sorry, man. I hope your head's all right. (laughs) Abusive today, yes. You're trying to help somebody out, but you can't even help them because you got this log in your head that is banging them across their head. Jesus says, why don't you get the log out of your own eye first? And then you can see clearly to deal with the speck in your neighbor's eye. Yeah, but Jesus, that's not as fun. Come on. It's a lot funner to to blame other groups of people. 
It's a lot funner to, funner, is that even a word? It's a lot more enjoyable to scapegoat anybody else. It's a lot more enjoyable to just change my profile picture on Facebook than it is to actually engage an issue. And Jesus says, deal with the plank in your own eye first. I, you know, one of my favorite quotes from John Wimber. John Wimber was the guy who started the whole vineyard back in the mid to late 70s. And he said this, I never trust a leader that doesn't walk with a limp. That's good advice, folks. That's good advice. He wasn't talking about an actual limp. But if you look in the Old Testament, Abraham, who was called by God to follow him, had a son named Isaac, and Isaac had a son named Jacob. And Jacob is a conniving dude, and he, he swindles his brother out of his birthright over cooking, cooking a good pot of soup because uh, he must have been Cajun. And... Uh, must have been some good soup to sell your birthright over. But, but, man, there's some tension between him and Esau. And then finally it comes to a head, and Jacob's going to, he's dreading it. He's got to face his brother. He's finally got to face up. But that night, the angel of the Lord appears to him, and they wrestle all night. And the, and the angel's finally like, dude, can you just let me go? And Jacob's like, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And so finally the angel blesses him and changes his name to Israel, one who wrestles with God. <laughs> And prevails. And the interesting thing, though, is after he's blessed, he's, his hip joint is thrown out of whack. And from that point on, he walks with a limp. How different would the church in America be if we actually majored on this teaching? I, I can't tell you, I've really, I, I can't remember too many sermons I've heard in my entire life on get the plank out of your own eye. We don't, we'd like to just take that part out of the Bible. But what if the church in America was known for that? I think that's one of the things. I, I've had discussions with pastors, friends of mine. I, that's what I love about recovery, the 12 steps, whether it's AA or Celebrate Recovery or whatever version of recovery out there. What I love about it is, and I've, I've, just, I've actually talked with pastor friends of mine, like maybe this is how we ought to start doing church because it's, it seems to work good. But here's the deal. When you show up to recovery, you're showing up saying, I got a problem. Like that's... You know, you can show up on Sunday morning anywhere and, and, you know, I'm good. Just need a little Jesus in my life. Just need a little inspirational music and an inspirational message and I'll go about my way. But to show up at recovery is to say, I'm here precisely because I don't have it together. What would it be like if the church in America actually had that atmosphere? Well, I, I think we'd be in a very different place. And I suspect even the numbers of people leaving the church wouldn't, wouldn't be where they're at right now. Maybe the church would be much smaller in America. But what would happen if we became a community that's primarily concerned with not pointing our finger at other people and blaming them, but dealing with our own stuff? See, the reality is, if you do the hard work to take the plank out of your own eye, you're going to walk with a limp. You're going to walk with a limp. Taking the plank out of your own eye is not something that, that you do. Getting prayer at the end of the service. I wish it was. I used to, I know as a young Christian, Lord, you know, take, take this part of me away. Free me from this. 
reality is to take the plank out of your own eye because you can't see very well because you got this two by four in your eye. Sometimes it requires other people. Oftentimes it does. It requires trusted friends. It may require a spiritual director. It may require a therapist. You need some people who can see your life in a way that you can't see, and you got to be open to their help. You know, I talked a lot about humility last weekend and even when we were going through the Lord's Prayer because I think it's a fundamental component of the Lord's Prayer. I am not God. I'm not in control. I can't see everything. I need God in my life. But you know, actually living in humility... That's not something you can just try. You ever been around somebody who's just trying to be humble? That's like even grosser than arrogance, right? <laughs> oh, you know, I just nothing, man. You know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> That's false humility. And oftentimes, false humility is just another version of pride. You just want to be seen for how humble you are. But true humility, you can't buy that stuff. You can't put it on. It is actually the fruit of having gone through something and dealt with things in your own heart. That's why you walk with a limp. Because you've faced things in yourself that you don't want to face. You've contended with your own darkness. You've contended with your own shadow. Now you're not so sure of yourself. You know, Pastor Phil, the pastor of the New Orleans Vineyard, (laughs) I've told him this several times over the years. Phil, you know, when I used to be a staff pastor at Kenner Vineyard, I was like, how hard can this be? Like, you know, and I was, I was kind of judgmental of some of the way he, you know, some of the things he was into sometimes. I was like, I think we ought to do this. I think we ought to do that. If I were pastor, this is how I'd do it. Well, I got my chance. (laughs) I called Phil up. I said, I'm sorry. I judged you, and I had no business judging you. I didn't know what it was like to to go from being a guy that just worked on staff at a church to being the guy who's in charge of it. And that's a whole different thing. I said, I'm sorry. (laughs) And he was gracious because he walks with the limp. So easily we judge people for things that we've never gone through, number one, right? Right? If you haven't gone through something, if you haven't faced the struggles that somebody, then number one, you don't even have a clue of what they're going through. I read a quote recently. I wish I would have printed it out this morning, but uh, I don't even remember who it was by. But I like the idea that I'm about to butcher in in my rephrasing of the quote. But the idea was this. If you actually knew the story of your enemies... they probably wouldn't be enemies anymore. If you actually knew why some people do the things that they do that you hate, if you actually knew everything that led to that, you would be very compassionate. But we don't see. We don't see. We're blinded. And oftentimes we're blinded because we've got two by fours sticking out of our heads. Jesus is inviting us to deal with the judgment in our own eye. Now, I want to say one last thing. This isn't just about dealing with your own issues because Jesus says, you take this out so you can actually help your neighbor who has the little speck in their eye. It's not that we're not supposed to help people out. 
But I got to tell you, when I'm in need of help in my life, I don't want somebody who just has all the answers. Here's what you need to do. Read this book. Watch this seminar. Oh, well, there's your problem right there. You just need to pray harder. You need to read your Bible more. You just need to attend church more. You need to do this. Like, when I'm in a place where I'm really going through something, I want somebody that has compassion, that doesn't offer me answers, but that can actually be with me in it and be a friend in it. Someone who's not trying to fix me, was trying to help me pay attention to what God may be doing in my life. Because that's where the real healing is going to come from. You don't need a quick fix. But, but again, once you get that log out of your own eye, at least in one area, that may take you years to get that log. Look, this ain't like stump removal where you call a company up and, and, the, and the job's done. A couple hours, pay your check. Sometimes getting that log out of your eye may take years. (laughs) But because it takes years, when you actually come through it, you're going to have some humility. You're going to have some care. You're not going to be so quick to offer pat answers and pat solutions. and You're going to be slower to speak, slower to try to fix somebody. And when somebody does want your help, you can actually maybe see with some clarity and some wisdom. But here's the thing. You will also have compassion and care because you realize just how hard it is to get anything out of your life (laughs) that you're struggling with. It's hard. It's hard. And my prayer is that we could be a church that is known for that. That we could be a church, you know, I, I... I'm blown away. When you came in here, came in here on Friday night, man, this is a pretty happening-looking joint, man. I mean, it's beautiful, filled with people doing a good thing. I'm like, that's our loaves and fishes. This is our little bit that we can do. I wish we had the funding that we could offer state-of-the-art this and that and have all kinds of programs. I wish we could. We, we just ain't there. And looking at church stats in this country, I don't know if we ever going to be there. But I'd like to be known. I love what Jesus said. They will know you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. I think if North Shore Vineyard can be known for anything, that's what I want us to be known for. They're not the richest church. They don't have the the biggest facility. They don't have the most programs going on for every group of people in the world. But you get around there, you're going to be loved. You're going to be cared for. People will genuinely show concern for you. But the way we get there, part of the way we get there, is dealing with our own hearts. We're in a a culture right now, thanks to social media, where everybody's protesting, man. We just love to protest. But so much of the time, our protesting, the stuff out there, It's just a way of avoiding the stuff in here. (laughs) Let us be known as people who are dealing with this stuff so we can see clearly to deal with that stuff out there. Watch y'all stand. Jesus, we thank you for your teachings.
May they be a light to our path today. May they be life to our soul. May they orient us in the direction of love. I pray your blessing upon this community right here that we truly would be people who can see because we are dealing with the logs in our eyes, Lord. We would truly be a community of humility because we're not always pointing our finger and blaming other people, but because we're doing the hard work of facing our own brokenness, our own woundedness. Lord, let your truth, your love, bring freedom. And let your love be manifest in us and through us. And let North Shore Vineyard continue to be a place that is known for our love of you and others. In Jesus' name we pray.